0: IT businesses and tech from somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth this is the killing it podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things it
1: with your hosts Dave Sobel Ryan Morris and Carl Polichuk. welcome to episode 133 of the killing it killing it killing it podcast. This is Carl, joined today by Dave and Ryan. And uh, hey, Dave, have you got a question for us? I do,
2: to kick us off today. Gents, if you were offered the position of mayor in your city, would you take it?
1: I have this vision of like the guy from the Monopoly game with the big mustache. Yes. So (laughs) I I, I would take the position only to piss people off for a year and then not ever get reelected. And (laughs) I will have done my part. For the local you, government,
0: and you will actually get some stuff done. Uh, yeah, my answer to this question is not just no, but hell no. I am <laughs> I'm I'm very fortunate. I have a, my older brother is an incredibly involved individual. Uh, every time we go to dinner, I'll I'll, I'll say, well, so what are you up to? And He's telling me about some new county commission he's on, and all of these things, and and he reminds me. Uh, uh, The structure and the rules and just how limited power is, like I want to run to be on the city council and I'll change everything, except that the city council does this, but not that. And I'm like, oh, see, that would just make me angry. So I, I, I would be the most frustrated public servant alive, and everybody would be better off if I didn't do it.
2: See, my, mine, is a version, mine is a different version of Carl's, and I like it because I am actually uh, president of my homeowner's association, a job I was given, not wanted. Not wanted. You're the mayor
1: of the homeowner's right. association. And I
2: run it with exactly that theory of like, oh, I don't want this job, so I'm going to do it right, and if you don't like me, vote me out. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, and so I would, if, if I was offered the position, absolutely. It's the running for it that I have no interest in. <laughs>
1: well, it's it's a variation of you know. I've often thought about I would serve in the state legislature for exactly two years. I would vote against absolutely everything. I would irritate everybody, and uh, and then I would never get reelected, and that would be it. So that's see, see, my my real problem,
0: Dave. Is uh, I would enjoy
1: the campaign.
0: I think that would be a lot of fun. I would not want to do the job. So we're two we're two halves of a politician. We got two halves (laughs) here. Like together we are the yin and the yang. We can solve. Well, I
1: will tell you this. I'm always amazed at the older I get of how many of these meetings happen at night and sometimes until 11 or 12 at night. And I'm like, I'm asleep by the time they decide that they're going to adjourn. So,
2: Well, you know what's not happening at night? What? What's not happening at night is killing it live. You can join us on October twentieth at noon Eastern, nine Pacific for a live version of the podcast. Have you ever wanted to hear the pre-warmup? Do you want to s- s- be involved? Do you want to have a Q and A sessions afterward? Join us for this live event. Thanks to our friends at Cisco for making this possible. There is information and registration at killingitlive.com. So go to that website, sign up, and join us for our first live podcast.
1: And there's bonus material because we normally do three uh, topics, we're going to do four topics. So If you attend live, you get a fourth topic that will not make it to the public.
0: Also, by the time this episode publishes, it will be only eight days until Mm -hmm. this event happens. So uh, Carl and Dave and I have very limited time to practice not swearing in the live event. So uh, good good luck, gentlemen. This could be (laughs) extra fun.
1: (laughs) Very good. So that's October 20th. Check it out at KillingItLive.com. So our first topic today uh, is about, uh, I'm just going to put up a link to a PDF that Amazon publishes on their statistics site. So they actually have an uh, Amazon Web Services statistics site and it's got a, two interesting numbers in it. The report is about their report to the public on government requests for data and the big, big, big number is 30,118 requests from various governments about getting access to data that Amazon has collected. Interesting piece, sub piece of that, 50% of that came from Germany. The other number is only 632, no thousands, just 632 requests for data from Amazon Web Services, which if you reverse engineer that, what's going on is that thirty thousand number comes from echoes and ring doorbells and cameras and uh, all of those little things, including the new robots that are going to be wandering your house uh, with a mobile camera. <laughs> the government is looking at all of this data. What do you guys think about that number?
2: So I so good bad high low. So uh, it's a number. Because it's difficult to it's difficult to compare numbers without having other numbers to compare against, right? So I want to observe, from that, it is difficult to take the number in isolation and draw conclusions. My instinct goes, that seems like a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because I'm if I'm actually being a proper analyst, it's a data point on its own. I'm gonna start with this premise though for the discussion. For me, is I like that this is happening through the warrant process so that it is able to be studied and reviewed through public review. And that for me is, is a key indicator to this. There's another version of this that I've, I've talked about on Business of Tech uh, last week where Google is now fielding requests for search searches, i.e. let us know who is running these particular keyword searches again because it's happening during the via the warrant process this means a we get exposure to it when people when you know good people dig into this for research but secondly it can be managed by the legal process that isn't perfect i'm not sitting here claiming that that's all but at least it's happening in a public venue so for me i look at this and go like right, the number seems big but i'm very pleased it's happening through this process
1: well, and I yeah, will agree is, with you. It's through subpoenas, warrants, and court
0: orders. Yep. See, and and Dave, I will agree with you that that is responsible. That is mature beyond what we might expect in the in the emerging technology category, where there are so many more sources of information and data that could be subpoenaed. It used to just be a wiretap or you know, some sort of your mail and they needed to get access to those things. Uh, you, you probably carry more than one device that is listening to you 24-7. Although, everywhere you go, you are surrounded by devices. In an IoT world, this will exponentially expand. I appreciate that they're applying the legal framework to that. But my, my initial reaction to it is, no, duh. Well, of course they were going to start subpoenaing this information. We've teased about it, right? As an early adopter of technology, I'm one of the first nerds to buy every weird little device that comes along, whether or not it's useful, just because it's cool, right? I I, I think that that's fascinating. I presently do not have a connected smart speaker other than my cell phone in my, in my house. I, I, I know all of them. I understand all of the applications. And I don't have one because it's not yet established when they are and are not listening. Now, I don't believe the marketing spin that they're only listening when you say the keyword. Bullshit. They're listening, and you don't know what that is going to be applied for. I think we need more of this kind of professional legal rigor into the system until uh, people like me are willing to go, okay. I can speak freely around my devices because I know that I have an expectation of privacy in my own home. Uh, right now, that's not the expectation. They they don't care where you did that search on Google. They don't care where you said that key phrase. They're just subpoenaing the information. That's dangerous.
1: I do have to say, you know, one thing is I'm not particularly worried about anybody listening to anything I do, but... If I were protecting my privacy, if I, you know, I'm saying if I were a criminal or whatever, um, it would be really hard when you think about like the Sopranos, it would be hard to say under these circumstances, I can be wiretapped. And under these circumstances, I cannot. Um, you would almost have to, to have no electricity in your house to <laughs> no. not have some device that, uh, and and of course, Amazon's only one. My guess is that if you had a similar report from Apple or Facebook or anybody else, you would find exactly the same kind of thing, that if they can get to it, the government wants to be able to say, hey, uh, this is part of a court case or there's some reason for it, uh, give us the stuff. I used to work at a company that we put legislative information online and, and uh, because we worked with so many lobbyists and state legislators, they would occasionally use it for illegal purposes, you know uh, lobbyists would be uh, you know brought into a legislator's office who would say, "Hey, uh, you contributed to my opponent last time, but not to me, um, and shake them down for money. And so we constantly had to respond to these subpoenas, and our corporate policy was, don't fight it, you're gonna lose anyway. just give them the information
2: well, so again, i'm I'm. I like this happening in the open. <laughs> and that's for, that's for me the, you know, and, and it's a recurring theme for me that the more I look at this and say, stuff that happens with transparency and the ability for it to be looked at does generally seem to work better. It's my security approach, it's my regulation approach, it's my, like, and, and generally it serves as a good guiding principle. My takeaway then for anybody is, is, is look at the, look at your own actions in particular in that business context and apply that rule and find out how well it works for you. And I tend to find that being transparent always wins. Well, and Dave,
0: I'll, I'll, I'll finish up real quick with a comment. Uh, Both you and Carl have been early voices in the world of regulation on this stuff is coming. You need to be aware and participate in the process. This is an area that needs further clarification on on what is acceptable use and what is fair game to subpoena. Uh, that's not yet defined. I think professionals in the industry need to participate to define that stuff.
2: Well, on the second topic, I want to move us to Facebook, duh, because of course it had to come up. But I want to I want to <laughs> reference an article in Tech Dirt, and it, more than because this is an interesting opinion piece. Uh, titled "Facebook's Latest Scandals: The Banality of Hubris and the Messiness of Humanity," this is worth a good read. But one of the but I wanted to th- sort of throw out one of the basic ideas that was discussed in this article, which is that this is it's oftentimes easy to jump to this is evil, or this is incompetent and what the author makes an argument for is that these series of actions by Facebook leadership actually shows a company that's just in over its head but thinks they can recover it thinks that they can they 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 just believe in their ability to execute and are holding on thinking they can despite it having gotten away from them that perspective was really interesting and i wanted to throw it to this group to sort of say like okay what about that lens for this?
1: Right. Well, you know, one piece of it is that I, I've always believed that this grew way faster than they could control or even understand what was going on. There is an underlying piece of it that if you think back to the founding of Facebook, um, I think that they've got kind of a, a culture. It started off on the wrong trajectory from day one, and I think that has a long-term effect. So even if they wanted to correct it and be noble, good people on every front and in every way that you could measure it, uh, it takes a lot more effort to turn a ship when you have started building the culture in the wrong direction in the first place.
0: See, I would agree with the cultural comment because that is the source of their problem. It's not technology. They are... They write algorithms to analyze information, to identify what is engaging and what is not engaging, and then to promote the things that they determine are engaging. The business model is fundamentally defined around engagement, irrespective of the content or the moral or ethical nature of what that that information is. They're here for the clicks. That said, I don't buy that this is... Accidental. I do believe, Carl, that you're right on. It's, it got way bigger, way faster than they were prepared to control. But the last time I heard somebody say, "Well, these guys, car, these guys are really, really smart, and they believe that they can work their way out of it," because the rest of us can't understand it. But they're the smartest guys in the room. Uh, the smartest guys in the room was a book written about Enron. And a group of individuals who thought, you know, those old fashioned people who abide by these rules in in commodities marketplaces, they're just grandpas. They just need to get out of the way. We have a smarter interpretation and therefore we're going to engineer a new solution that you might think is dangerous, but we're so much smarter. We believe we can control it. And not only were they wrong, but you and I and everyone else paid a big old fat price for their wrongness in them believing that, I think that's where we're at. I, I See, I, I, the fact that you're in too deep and you think you can get it, that's either evil or incompetent, right? That's not a third definition of, for these guys. I believe either they're doing it on purpose and promoting things that they know are having the effect that they are having, and when they see the research internally every time i read one of these <laughs> facebook files articles i got to get up and go walk outside cuz it makes me mad i e- either they know it and they're doing it on purpose or they're so bad at applying algorithms to data that they should be fired from their own
2: job well i'm i'm willing to i am willing to give space for a third definition which is that they genuinely believe they can fix it that it is that there is there's is a hubris to that that they think fi- because I'm gonna liken this, and I'm, I'm gonna give some perspective on some smaller companies too. You know, I've owned a small business, I've owned a second small business, I've worked with small business folks, I've been on peer groups, I've done all that kind of stuff. There are some general lines I can draw that I know of the way people execute. I'll draw a line generally at two hundred to $300,000 and go, there's a line of leadership skill when someone grows their business beyond that line. It goes from a single person to multi-person. There's another line that I draw right around 1.2 million dollars, where because b- b- you've got enough staff that you need to build a leadership team there in order to execute. I draw another line right around two million, uh, where you're where you're not as an owner, you're not able to be involved with almost all the things i draw another line right around five and then i know that the other lines from there come at like sort of 25 and and up in terms of that and i know there's these moments of leadership change that happen roughly at those points right there those are gross but roughly at those points and i know there's leadership skills required to get beyond that and it's really hard sometimes to recognize that you're not the person that can get beyond one of those thresholds if you've been successful at the ones before. There's a version of that that I can see at this incredible scale. <laughs> that that is they they got it to this incredible scale. Of course of course they can do it. And it just is beyond what that a, a particular leadership team can do, and I think it's an interesting perspective, and it's why for me this jumped out because of those my thinking of small leadership groups too, right, and understanding those lines. Carl, I'm going to kick you on this one because I'm, I'm sure you've worked with a bunch of different different leadership teams. Did you see that parallel? Am I wrong? Like...
1: Oh no, I I think you're right, and and part of it like the you know the article that we point to, talks about this as being their their hubris of say, thinking oh we could get ahead of this. And, and part of that might be true in terms of they just think they're so smart. But part of it is almost like uh, a gambler's addiction, right? When you are down and you're at the table and you just need one more spin and you're going to be up again, right? That, there's a certain element of that. Like if we just keep playing the game, we might get ahead of it. Um, you know, one of the things about Facebook in general and all social media is this need to keep you on their site. And so you have to say, okay, is that a legitimate goal? Because if you say it's not a legitimate goal, then you say, okay, Google does a lot of things to keep you on their site. YouTube does a lot of things to keep you on their site, you know, so forth and so on. Is it necessarily a bad thing, right? Because if you say, you cannot seek that goal. A lot of these problems would have gone away or never come to be in the first place. Um, but can you tell an organization that you know they, they can't they can't have as a goal to consume the audiences for as long as possible because that's ultimately what caused them to create algorithms that caused all the other problems.
0: Absolutely true, and, and that's the thing. A business model is good until it gets so good that it consumes its original intention. Uh, I grew up in a world of must-see TV on Thursday nights. Uh, Okay, I would join in. I would watch several of those things, but that didn't mean that I was okay if I watched 24-7 every single program, every single minute of every single day. There is a threshold of some is good and more is better, but too much becomes a, a detriment to the business model. And at a certain level, like Facebook, it actually becomes a detriment to the society around that business. I think that Facebook was perfectly fine in a capitalist sense to build a business that could get more attention. Uh, I just think that they proved that there is such an upper limit as, dude, you you succeeded too much for your own good.
2: Well, this one's a good read, well, and- so I'm going to point people out. Uh-
1: Last little comment, and you know, it isn't smartness that is necessarily going to solve this problem, you know, because clearly the people at Facebook are smarter than the people in Congress who are all, you know, B students. (laughs) But but it might be cleverness or wholesomeness or, you know, there might be some other quality that actually solves the problem. Maybe a little of common sense and a little less smartness. So anyway. Uh,
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think in, in Facebook's case. Ethics might be a good thing to, to manage oh, that, too. Yeah, you know, you know, something like that. But let's move to our third topic here where uh, CISA, the group that has issued some guidelines for uh, defining what is and is not appropriate from a managed services provider's point of view, uh, they've issued a new set of guidance that is designed to mitigate some of the threats associated with autonomous vehicles. I have been continuously fascinated by the idea of autonomous and self-driving vehicles. I am continuing to be disappointed that I, A, don't have my Jetsons flying car, and B, I still have to drive my car. Um, uh, But the reason we don't yet have those is that on the surface, it seems super simple. Just make the car go straight on a line, point it in the right direction, and it will do what you ask it to do. But when you get inside the dirty, real-world implications of autonomous vehicles, there are layers and layers of problems. CISA is stepping up to say, here are some technological boundaries and some recommendations that we believe might actually make it safer, make it more economical, and not require us to completely reinvent the infrastructure of our cities. I think this is a fascinating article. Guys, what do you think about, A, the fact that they're issuing guidelines, and B, what they are actually recommending?
2: So I'll, I'll weigh in on the on the organization. I am very encouraged to see CISA moving to, to give guidance to the industry. I'm expecting this to be an iterative process. Uh, I, I don't mind saying, like, I expect them to version this over time. I expect them to update it and revise it. But I like that there's a, a group that is setting a, a bit of a bar and pushing back against, quote unquote, industry best practices. I've always long since argued that there's a certain degree of people saying best practices are, are, are just opinions, right? Like, well, this is what we all do. It's a, not based <laughs> on actual research where this is polling, research research. Uh, professionals sitting down who spend their time thinking about guidance, not sitting around in conferences all going, well, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And creating a best practice, right? Which, or, or a, you know, or, or a group of vendors like pushing a particular thing as best practice when it is kind of just good for them. I like this. Um, I don't expect them always to be perfect. I expect them to issue stuff and drive and iterate, but have a larger public service view of this to help guide us all and I'm I'm encouraged.
1: Well, the other thing is that it the the article that we point to demonstrates just a, a long list of how much data driven autonomy is being created and you know when you see many many different kinds of technology that are all data driven you're like okay, we just talked about data can be manipulated by algorithms. It can be manipulated by good guys, bad guys, the Russians, uh, anybody who wanders down the street, uh, and that it might have other implications for all kinds of other things. So I think it's worth looking at. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I, like to me, uh, CISA sort of came out of nowhere and uh, was sort of created to regulate all things and so uh, it, they make me a little nervous on that front but uh i'm not opposed to what they're doing in this case i'm not opposed to what they're doing in any case it's just it makes me nervous that they they come out with these broad statements about what shall be and what should be well let's um,
2: let's give them a little bit of credit carl they were only established in november of 2018. So to, to say they're coming out of nowhere, well, yeah, they were only established a few years ago. <laughs> so it is a new space.
1: But it's a, but it's a continuing effort to like take all of the uh, homeland security and say, everything that's remotely related to anything, we're going to put it into this one organization and centralize it and say, that's where you go to get uh, your your information for security. Uh...
0: Yeah, eventually a good idea, again, can get a little too broad for its own good. I think in this case, though, and Carl, this this rings one of your bells that that is always something that I agree with. Uh, I like complicated problems to solve. And just this quick article that we're linking to has a list of bullet points of the technologies that are involved in autonomous vehicles that will make the most advanced and multitasking capable engineer, sit down and cry for just a little bit, right? Like this (laughs) is a hard problem. This is, and again, as the person who wants autonomous vehicles to be around, and I believe that there could be economic and environmental and social benefits associated with that, not to mention the fact that you don't have to own a car anymore because one will just come and get you and take you where you need to be. I like the idea, but boy, it's healthy for people to stop and realize, okay, some of the things that are involved in this process, V2X and DSRC and LiDAR and radar and sonar and good Lord, those are all complicated systems. Every single one of them is not yet perfected. And then when you build the systems integration at 65 miles an hour and you have a person step out in front of that vehicle, the calculation density that has to occur in order for that thing to perform in context as well as a human would perform wow that's a very complicated problem i'm not surprised that we don't have these solutions now right it's i think that's a healthy thing for the public to realize i'm really glad there's smart people who are focused on this and figuring it out because i still want autonomous vehicles even though it's complicated
1: well, the other thing is, uh, you know, you mentioned your flying vehicle and, and whatnot. I was reading a book recently about the technology of uh, automated piloting systems developed in the 1930s, right? And you think thinking like, you could barely get an airplane off the ground and they were they had automated pilots because... One of the factors was we start by everybody's got to be at least a 1,000 feet away from everybody else. And so planes just weren't that close to each other. They, there weren't that many at the time. But you could develop that technology then. Having that in a city like New York, Chicago, Washington, D.C., eh, it's a little more difficult, right? Because they're, they're a foot away from each other. And so uh, the challenges are much more difficult. But... Um, but it's interesting to th- see how much this technology is growing and it, it may actually be an argument for how uh, once we get our arms around what technology, uh, what, where it's secure and where it's insecure, I think we can move more quickly. If you know your technology and your data is secure, you can make decisions and move forward much more quickly. If you don't know whether or not it's secure, you have to be much more careful.
0: Well,
2: and by the way, all of the things you just described are the service provider opportunity to do to, on the service <laughs> side. I would be completely remiss if I did not observe that. And I would also be completely remiss if I didn't at least take a swing at Ryan's pirate tirade with all the R's at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: again, uh, to your point, Dave, Um if, if you're not involved in the systems integration in the autonomous vehicle industry, that does not mean you do not have opportunities that will spring forth from this. To Carl's point, can you fathom the volume of data storage that's going to be required on vehicle, even just in RAM or cash, not to mention the long-term storage retention of, of, of the data that's associated with these systems? If you sell silicon, it's about to be a really, really good year. <laughs> you, you need to be involved in selling the systems behind all of this intelligence and then supporting the integration. Uh, I imagine every single person with a driver's license is going to need to also sign an associated MSP agreement because none of us are going to be qualified. To ride go. in Plus, the cars we don't drive. I'd so. be remiss if
2: I also then didn't leave when one last bit of guidance is look, I think everybody in IT services period need to be needs to be engaged with CISA at some level to be tracking their announcements and guidance and have not just the alerts, but also a process to incorporate that guidance into your business. You're not gonna be doing it on everything. You may not just like Ryan said, you're not in every one of these, but they're issuing guidance in lots of areas that you probably are interested in, and you need to be engaged on. That.
1: Yeah, clearly this is a website that caught my eye because it caught my eye a month ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so, here we are. Sadly, gentlemen, that will do it for episode 133 of the Killing it, Killing, it Killing it podcast. You know how I remembered that? I wrote it down. I wrote down the Killing It podcast.
0: <laughs> sophisticated systems.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It podcast. Please share with your friends and
0: tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.